Welcome to How Not to DM. I'm your host, Derek. Thanks for joining me on my quest to interview the very best dungeon masters on this plane of existence. Before we get started, I need to shout out my patrons, Robert, Matthew, Brenda, Jeff, Paul, Tobias, Carol, Fernando, Justin, Matt, Robert, and Joaquin. You helped make the show possible. If you'd like to support the show, want a shout out on my next episode, or want an inside scoop on my upcoming guests, consider joining. You can find the link in my episode notes, my link tree, or by heading to patreon.com slash hn, the number two, DM. Remember that 10% of my ad and patron money goes to support local LGBTQ plus youth via Encircle. Check out my link tree for more information. And now, on to this episode's guest announcement. JR is an awesome DM of an all-Filipino show, Roll of Cool. JR and his friends are playing a game heavily inspired by Hitpoint Press's The Islands of Sina Una, a D&D setting for the pre-colonial Philippines. JR and crew spend a ton of time fine-tuning and editing their show for the best quality possible. He also manages the team that helps produce this show, How Not to DM. Enjoy! I'm JR. I'm from the Philippines. I used to be a voice actor, also did a lot of video editing, audio stuff. Uh, I DM a show called uh, Roll of Cool. Uh, yeah. Awesome. And how did you get into tabletop role-playing games first? Do you remember? Kind of a long story, because I've always known about D&D from, mostly from the 80s anime. Didn't know that you played it like this. Thought it was more like, not like Monopoly, you know, but like some cooler board game. Right. And I remember there was even a, there was a D&D board game. I don't know. I just saw a commercial of it or something where you, where yeah, there was an actual board that you go around or something like that. I thought it was that for the longest time, right? Because I'm from the Philippines and we're in an island in the Philippines, not in the main city. Yeah, you grew up on an island, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So where I was at, there was no D&D, like zero. And uh, yeah, so I just didn't know what it was. And then, so for college, we, we moved to the city, right? Like, you know, like like everywhere else. And uh, yeah, I got into CCGs and TCGs first. So Magic, Pokemon. Uh, yeah, and I just saw people playing it in the shop. And that's basically it. Okay, so you were into like Magic and Pokemon, you were collecting cards and that kind of thing, and then going into a hobby shop, you saw people playing D&D, and that's how you got connected with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I also played Mage Knight, which is, I don't know if you know that game, it, it uses minis as well. So it's like, mm. so Warhammer is like the, the expensive game, right? Spend right. like $1,000 and stuff like that. So I couldn't play that because I was in college, obviously. and so i played this other game where you buy booster packs it's kind of a trading card game which is like kind of warhammer where you buy booster packs for like six dollars or something like that and sometimes they would schedule the the mage knight games and the DD games on the same day so you see them playing on the other side and they you know they lent each other terrain and stuff like that so that's how i saw it and like oh it's a completely different game was it a pretty big thing in college then to go to gaming stores and do stuff like this? Not everyone. 
for people who are on the geekier side, the nerdier side, and yeah, that's just that's that's just everyone, I guess, right? But mm-hmm. it's like not a, it's not like everyone would know. Well, everyone would know what Magic the Gathering is, obviously. That's like just everyone anyway, right? But not like anyone would know what the other card games are or, or stuff like that. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, you found D and D from from your local game store. Uh, how did you get into running games and and playing and kind of uh, experiencing it? It actually took a while because I I didn't start off DMing obviously since it didn't make sense to me uh at that time i don't even know if you could get the the books as pdfs or or any cheap form of it aside from getting the book right and uh-huh. and like i said back then i didn't really have any any money because all of it already went to magic the gathering and everything else right so <laughs> so it was every saturday that comic book it was actually a comic book store which i played in and they ran games where you, it's actually weird. What they do is you pay $2, which is probably to you, it's like $10. Yeah. So you pay that amount to play. They, they have a DM who's great, by the way, does both voices, everything. And like at the end of the session, so if there's like five of you, half of it goes to like the, the person DMing, which is, you know, makes sense. And they give the other half to like who they think is the, most valuable player or something like that which is which to mm. me was like it's kind of weird so it's it, it made it feel like it was kind of a competition so yeah i mean back then it was like okay fine i guess that's how you play this game but like looking back at that now it's like that's probably not the smartest thing to do <laughs> right <laughs> have you ever seen it at other stores or was it just that store where they were doing it here i think no i think it's just that store or even just that person and his friend who's dming right but they're yeah. like they're a big comic book store like they're people who've been playing since like you know ad and d or something so yeah. i guess it's just a way to get people to pay to play and stuff like that because you're getting people who are competing in, in other card games and other miniature games right so i guess that made sense but it's yeah yeah a way to make money on it yeah that makes sense instead of just show up and get to play yeah, that is strange, though. I've never heard of someone doing that before. You know, I've heard of paid DMs, but never like the most valuable player. And I tell you what, it does kind of feel bad when you don't win the money. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> like, oh, man, I sucked at role playing tonight. Yeah. like, <laughs> Oh, man. Uh, okay. So do you remember um, the first game you decided to run and what that was kind of like? Vaguely, but I remember... This was not in that hobby shop anymore. In school, we do have a group of friends. And we had friends who DM'd, right? So I didn't really DM a lot then. Like, it's probably a one-shot. They were like, yeah, you should try it. Here's uh, 3.5. I'm pretty sure it went, you know, not as good. Because I was like, this is the first time actually seeing any book other than the PHB. Yeah, it would be a lot to handle for even a one shot. It's a lot of pages to read or feel like you have to read to be ready kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, and you know what? Fifth edition is relatively easy, right? But third edition was like, you don't even let people play spellcasters when it's their first time because it's really complicated. I don't even know how spells work. <laughs> I mean, obviously the people playing were like a couple of them DM and stuff like that. So it, it that helped a lot. But if it weren't for them, I would probably just not know what i'm doing so like everyone who's just starting with fifth edition like be thankful that wizards made it very accessible for everyone now 
Yeah, I th- honestly, it's it's kind of a masterstroke. Like, there's a ton of people out there who still prefer older editions, but as far as getting people into the game, this has by far been the most successful edition. For sure. In your time running games, I love kind of getting down to the the big problems or mistakes you've kind of found as you're running games yourself that other people could learn from. So what do you feel like are some of the big mistakes you made, you know, whether they're like specific times that you did something wrong or maybe like things that you've done consistently that that you had to change, you know, after realizing that it wasn't the best way to do things. Going back to the making people compete for <laughs> for for the game which is like like what my first you know, couple of months or so was. I I did kind of run games like that where it felt like a competition for everyone. That's definitely something you shouldn't do. I also used like food for monster tokens, like an M M&M and M and stuff like that, which also kind of made it a competition because whoever beat the monster got to eat it. But I guess that part isn't that bad. But it still made <laughs> no. it a competition where people want to kill steal from each other to get the M M&M. and M. I mean, I've heard of other people doing that before, like using little gummy snacks. And it does seem like it could be a fun idea, but I get what you're saying too. So as far as like favorite moments you've had, either running games or playing in games, what are some of the your favorite moments from games that you've played in or run that are really epic or really funny or, you know, really memorable uh, to you and the people that you're playing with? Funny enough, for me, it's always player death not like i like killing the pcs obviously but it's like if you get to a point where the players accept their player death they're like at peace with it like a whole drama thing that happens you know like where they're it's weird like it's kind of saying goodbye to the character and like it's hard to describe but it's like if you get to a point where your players are okay with it and they appreciate it it's a good feeling of course it's the other way around where if someone's just pissed at it happening, then it's the complete opposite. But yeah. Mm-hmm. Speaking as someone who's never killed a player before, I oh, know. Wow. Shocking. Oh, but it's also 5th edition, right? Which is, you know. Yeah. I, I haven't actually been running games that long. I just really like talking to people who have and like learning from them. So <laughs> that's that's why I'm doing the show, you know. But I'm not incredibly experienced. And so, yeah, that's something I haven't done yet. And I wonder how it's going to happen. Don't just suddenly think of doing it, though. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't go out of my way to do it. Yeah, uh, but my players in my current game are certainly at a high enough level that I'm not pulling any punches, you know. So yeah. it may happen. It may not. I'm not trying to force it. But I, having never experienced it, I'm interested to see what it's going to be like. But hearing from you that it's been some of your favorite moments, that's at least reassuring to me that like, if I can make it seem like it was worth something or it meant something, then perhaps it'll be okay. So, yeah. As you were kind of learning how to run games yourself, even now, you know, as there's more and more media out there to consume, uh, what DMs out there have you looked up to or really tried to take a lot of lessons from? as you kind of run your own games, you know, is there anyone in particular whose style has really influenced you or maybe someone who you just look up to, you know, for the way they, they run their games? Well, I mean, here's a shocker. The the voice actor, <laughs> you know, <laughs> watches Critical Role and sees other voice actors and Matt Mercer, who's an awesome DM and, and, you know, oh, sees, oh, that's, that looks great. Right. 
Yeah, he is an excellent pick. So I can't fault you for that. People argue he's the best or he's not. And that's probably not something you want to talk about. But like for me, at least also having like a skill set where I can make, you know, do voices and stuff like that. Uh, for me, it, it just makes sense. Right. I agree with you, though. Matt Mercer and Critical Role was some of the first D&D media I consumed. Right. As soon as I learned about the game and my friends invited me to play. They mentioned it offhand one time and I was like, what is this? And so I went and I found it and I was, you know, working a tech job at the times and I still do. And so not a lot of time to like have a a YouTube video or stream up to watch it. But I listened to all of season one and I learned a ton of things, you know, like you said, whether or not you think he's the best or not, I don't really think it's a worthwhile discussion, but I agree that there's a ton you can learn from him. And for me, it's actually two people, right? So the whole style of DMing, it's Matt Mercer, obviously, right? But like the deeper, like how to compute things and, and stuff like that. Colville, like if you finish the whole running the game yeah. series, right? There's like a, mm-hmm. a ton of things that you can learn from that. Yeah. I've also watched all of those. Which is awesome though, right? Because like before these things were out, if you want to learn how to DM well, you, you go to your hobby shop and hope that you have a great DM and that's the only person you can learn from, right? Mm-hmm. But now, like, everything's there. You you click Critrol and you just see how to, you know, how to do it great. And you, if you want to learn more things, you do more searches and then you run into Matt Colville and, and all the other awesome guys that do content. And yeah, it's it's just super accessible to everyone now. Which is great. Yeah, there's even great podcasts out there that, that talk about running games. So. And how not to do it, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and now a word from How Not to DM's sponsors. Let's start off with Gemmed Firefly. Need a fresh look for the new year? Head on over to gemmedfirefly.com for the newest teas, mugs, and home goods styled with D&D gamer humor and aesthetics. As always, Gemmed Firefly makes every shirt to order, bringing you all of the softest and most comfortable shirts that thousands have come to love. Listeners of the show get a discount when you use the code DRAGON at checkout. Find your new favorite shirt at gemmedfirefly.com now. Next, Coffee and Chaos. Looking for a game to play on off weeks but don't want to build new characters or learn a new system? Bring your existing characters with all their abilities and powers into a world of customer service where everything will go spectacularly wrong. Currently funding on GameFound, Coffee and Chaos is a one-shot RPG perfect for a holiday episode of your campaign, days when someone can't make it, or whenever. Check out the episode notes for the link to Coffee and Chaos on GameFound. And lastly, podcasteditors.online and videoeditors.online. Are you a podcaster or video content creator who loves making awesome content but wishes you spent less time editing and more time doing the things you love? Check out podcasteditors.online or videoeditors.online to see their awesome rates and editing offerings. Buy a few hours a la carte or purchase bulk hours for larger projects. Let them tackle the boring stuff so you can get back to making more awesome content. Check out the links in the episode notes for both podcasters and video creators. And now, let's return to the show, starting up with a brand new minigame for Season 2.
Chaos. This week on Quickfire Chaos, JR and I are going to roleplay a scenario chosen at random from some dice rolls. Quickfire Chaos. Do you want to do a city quest or do you want to do like a fetch quest that's usually kind of like exploring outside somewhere? What what do you want to improv more or what sounds more fun? I don't know. Anything you want. All right. We'll do city quests because these are always interesting. All right. Let's start off with the first table, which is the voice. Just roll a d100. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, that's a, that's a one. Speaks slowly and tends to mumble, tends to ramble. Next one is personality traits. All right. That is a 53. Indecisive. Oh, boy. Mumbly and indecisive. Uh, Characterized by a lack of decision and firmness, especially under pressure. All right. Job. What job does this NPC have? 72. Treasure hunter. All right. Mm -hmm. That's easy. And then the last thing, the city quest, which you will send us on or be part of. 94. A monkey steals and runs off with your hat. We're in the city and all of a sudden a monkey grabs your hat and you want us to go get it for you. (laughs) Slowly and mumbly, indecisive. All right. I guess you've got to decide why the monkey has stolen your hat or perhaps why the hat is so important to you. Is it magic? Does it have sentimental value? Does it have a treasure map on the inside? I don't know. You got to figure it out. I'll be an elf ranger. So I've got some leather armor, some green long hair up in a bun, and, and I've got my bow and I look very serene and very focused on, you know, whatever task is at hand. Corfell, the ranger approaches you and taps you on the shoulder and uh, he says I've heard that you uh, have a a hat or something that's gone missing and I was hoping I could help you find it Uh, um, uh, uh, how how did you know oh well uh, a lot of people in these parts are wearing hats and uh, just noticed that uh, you weren't wearing one also I can see kind of a a tan line, if you will, of, of where I can tell that your hat has been, but is no longer atop your head. Uh, so, kind of telltale signs, I suppose. Uh, but that, that's how I'm noticing. Uh, yes, uh, yes. It, it, it's a, a very special hat. I, I, I you see, I, I make maps for my uh, treasure hunting, and uh, and I. And I write it in code. I have very bad memory, so I have to use it uh, as to decode my my own scribbles in the maps. Maybe you can write. Yes. Yeah, I'm sure we can help find your hat. A couple of questions for you. What does the hat look like? And then, uh, what were the circumstances in which you lost it? Where were you? Who took it? That sort of thing. It was a day where I was eating, I don't know, an apple, uh, an orange, uh, uh, ah, a, a banana, a banana. Um, and okay. uh, I somehow, uh, I, I, using 
my uh, pen and got g- getting confused and indecisive of whether I should write first or eat first I, I, I accidentally put the banana in, in the hat uh, in the middle of, see. and in the middle of the, the street and sur- sur- surprisingly a, a monkey came and took the banana and also took the hat sounds like he was a curious fellow uh where were you when this happened was it was it down the street was it was it in the market where you bought the banana was it near your home yes 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 i was i i, I came from the market uh, couldn't decide to go home or to go on on the mission so i just decided to keep walking around could be a pet or, or something from, from someone from the market. Hmm. Well, this is the first case of a monkey theft that I've been uh, been put to, but uh, I'm sure we could figure out what the problem is. Uh, if, uh, if it comes to it, I've got a few friends who know how to speak to animals, so perhaps I could get some information from the trees above, but... Uh... And, uh, he, here, here's a... I bought a whole bunch of bananas. I, I figured ah. I'd bargain with a with a with a thing. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you could get the monkey to trade back if it uh, if the deal was sweet enough. So this is a good good idea on your part. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll head over there and see what we can do. Uh, but uh, rest assured, sir, I, I think we can get your hat back. There is a question of of course the price. It does sound like this object is worth quite a pretty penny to you so uh what 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 say you what what do you have to offer uh, he, here's uh the current uh, the current map i'm working on i could share with you one fourth half maybe that, that sounds quite fair to me of course we'll need the hat to decode it so sounds like uh sounds like a, a good deal to me well, sir, why don't you head home uh, and uh, rest a while, and we'll uh, we'll go about finding your hat, and once we find it, we'll come and, and, and fetch for you. We'll fetch you. Uh, thank you, good sir. Uh, have a good day now. Sleep well. Rest easy. <laughs> okay. Oh. <laughs> yeah, JR, you mentioned earlier that you're the DM of a show called Roll of Cool. So, for people who haven't heard of it yet, what is Roll of Cool? How did it start? Um, you know, where did the idea kind of come from, and how is it going today? Right. So, Roll of Cool is a show where it's all Filipinos playing D and D. It's all in English, obviously, so it's accessible for everyone. It's part of T Four C Studios, along with a bunch of other great shows. But how the whole thing started was. I always wanted to do a show. The first idea was getting a few voice actor friends and doing one that's in in Tagalog, the, uh, our language, uh-huh. right? Unfortunately, the the voice actors who are the full time voice actors, etc., like the actual you know uh, working dubbing voice actors, there was like one other person who just knew what D and D was. And I know there's a great 
overlap with anime loving people in D&D, right? But uh-huh. somehow, some for whatever reason, there wasn't an overlap in, in the Filipino dubbing voice acting community with D&D. So I, I tried hard, but that just didn't go. So just decided to do um, something with other people who just play D&D, uh, other friends who play D&D, and still wanted to make it somewhat Filipino. And during that time, Sinauna came out, which is a 5B supplement that's based on pre-colonial Philippines. So I guess it made sense that that's what we were doing, right? And yeah, so far, it's doing great. It's not like crypto <laughs> level or anything like... Few things are. In terms of audience and everything else, right? But like, yeah. uh, we have a great cast. We have uh, a great story so far. So yeah. Yeah, so you mentioned Sina Una, the book that you are using for your game. Tell us a little bit about the book. I know it's got a lot of like Filipino legend-based monsters and that kind of thing, um, but does it include a lot of plot hooks itself, or are you homebrewing most of the game? Um, yeah, what's that kind of like? What's the content like? That's everyone's misconception where they think Sina Una is a campaign book, and I'm not downplaying what's there. It's a lot. It's like almost two official wizards books thick everything you can you need to play is there except for the for a story that you want to run uh-huh. so yeah everything's being homebrewed and we're and i don't want to lean too much into making it pre-colonial philippines based as well where where we do it like the setting is so but we kind of insert some anachronisms here and there to make it you know a little bit more interesting when when it makes sense so uh-huh. So yeah, but like everything you'd need from um, boat sailing stats and details about what food you can find in the Philippines during that time and how, so they have a set of bylands in the in the book and they describe each and they're loosely based around certain islands in the Philippines. They don't really say which is which, but like one of them has an actual volcano which exists. So, and, th- and things like that, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot of info in that book. Yeah, I'm sure it's been a lot of good inspiration too. Is most of your experience running games has it most of it been homebrew, or have you done mostly like stories and modules and stuff? And this is kind of your first go at it. I've run like one page modules and stuff like that before, right? But the first time I've run a book was actually fifth edition. This largely has to do with having to buy books. <laughs> not mm-hmm. having the money to buy them before mm-hmm. right so it's mostly that and now like you can buy the the i started with the the starter set which was like what ten dollars or something right so right. so yeah it's actually the first time i've ever ran anything that's not the homebrew was the starter set yeah, yeah. so going back to homebrew roots is yeah kind of an easy step yeah although like mm-hmm. i also don't mind running modules it's it's a lot of less work you know? Yeah, especially if all you're doing is you just want to play and, and have a good time. There's nothing wrong with something that's pre-written. I know lots of people really love them. You know, there's big communities around stuff like Curse of Strahd or, or whatever else, right? So always a lot of good resources and ideas there. The thing with me, though, is like every time I run something that's pre-written, it ends up becoming half pre-written and half things that I insert and ends up running twice as long and stuff like that but yep. it's still that you have a base and you you like you know it's easy to go back to it if even if the the play group has like a one or two month break and you have to you know you still have that structure even if you you're not 
uh, as structured with your notes or the other stuff. So yeah. Yeah, totally. So as far as like shows that are all Filipino cast playing in a, in a setting and, and kind of a homebrew world that's based on the Philippines, I've done some Googling and I have not found any other groups so far that are doing what you guys are doing. So it's been really cool to watch. And, uh, and I'd love to hear what some of your favorite feedback has been from fans so far. Surprisingly enough, we get more feedback from people who are not Filipino. Like there are Filipino people who, of course, like everyone's like, oh, I'm Filipino. I don't have time to watch Critical Role. But here, here's a Filipino stream who runs less hours. I'm going to find time for that, right? Yeah. But like the most interesting feedback is from people from other places who are like, oh, I get to learn about, you know, the Filipino mythology and stuff like that, which is stuff I'm hearing for the first time. Because the thing with the Sinauna book is if you're a Filipino that, you know, like lives here and, you know, grew up here, most of the things that are in the book you've heard of, like, you know what an aswang is, you know what a chanak is, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Like, you just probably need the book for the stats. But for everyone else, it's their first time hearing about, you know, um, baby-looking demon monsters and, and stuff like that, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was such a crazy encounter. Oh man. <laughs> I loved how you kept referring to them as babies too. Like <laughs> anyway, it's been fun. Cause I have a, a coworker who was born in the Philippines or his grandparents still live there. And I've been, you know, every week or whatever, I'll, you know, I'll listen to or watch the show and then I'll ask him a bunch of questions after. And it's fun to hear like, Oh yeah. My parents told me the, you know, these stories about this thing. Oh, that thing. I've never heard of that. And then we like Google it and find out it's from, <laughs> A different island you know you know in a different kind of subculture in the philippines and that's probably why he hasn't heard of it but yeah it is really it is really fun to learn stuff like that yeah i mean because that's the thing right you know seven thousand one hundred whatever islands in the philippines it's bound to have different takes on different things right yeah totally you mentioned you know like the comic book store that you went to in college and that kind of thing but what is the tabletop gaming scene like in the philippines and you know have you seen it change a lot in your time playing games like this? We've always had, well, magic is obviously the staple because, you know, everywhere has Magic the Gathering, right? D&D is less commonly played in in hobby shops compared to, you know, competitive um, games because I'm guessing it's because, you know, people pay for those games, like the shops earn money from them, which they should, right? That's, it all makes uh-huh. sense. Um, lately though, it's, and it's, I guess it's mostly because of Critical Role, right? That it's just a lot more people playing now. There are, you can actually walk into a hobby shop on a weekend and find a group, which you, which you wouldn't be able to do before, right? Like you'd be uh-huh. able to play and like in that particular shop, I was able to, you know, pay those, you know, dollars and play. But like, otherwise you'd, you'd look for people you play other card games with and, or other hobbies with and those people become your group. But now it's like you walk in, there's a group, there are groups in Facebook where like looking for players, you know, Discord servers. It's very different. And also it's the number of players more than doubled or tripled even during the pandemic. So mm. that obviously had a lot of a lot to do with it, right? Yeah. A lot of the people in the role of cool cast are actually pandemic players, as we call them, which they <laughs> picked up dice during the pandemic or, you know, pushed keyboard buttons for dice. <laughs> yeah. 
I mean, I've had more than one guest on this show who started doing stuff during the pandemic. So it's it's definitely not uncommon. There's a lot of people who've been only playing a year, even lesser, you know, or or two, and they're doing great stuff, which is just great. Yeah, it is really fun. So uh, when people hear how long you've been playing, is it kind of like, whoa, like JR, he's so seasoned. <laughs> That's always like, oh, you're old. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I didn't want to say it, but <laughs> and I, I mean, yeah, I, I it's also like I am kind of old though, right? But it's also like I've been playing card games since I was, you know, in grade school and stuff like that. So, mm-hmm. but but yeah, everyone is like, oh, there's some people don't even realize that there are editions or something like that, and, right. and think it's just like at like a revision of the PHB or something, and they don't even realize that it's completely different gaming system or rule system yeah uh i know in the discord the the t4c discord though you've posted a few times about going to stores and being able to find the books like special edition covers and stuff like that so it seems to be gaining enough ground that that it's easy to kind of go and find that stuff when you're looking for it huh that partly has to do with magic the gathering because it's wizards right Uh um the alternate covers are actually to be able to sell them to be able to get them you need to be a certain wizard store level Interesting. So since magic is a big thing, um, the the shops build up to be the whatever premier level stores because of magic, not because of D and D. And D and D is kind of a you know we're lucky because of magic that we get those things. Yeah, and there's been more and more crossover recently too, and I'm sure that doesn't hurt um, getting people into the game, right? If they're familiar with Ravnica or Theros or you know whatever else, uh, it can kind of be easier to kind of get them to try it out. surprisingly for me though like again it doesn't hurt but it's also like i've never gotten like a friend that's into magic the gathering to dnd because there's a dnd magic setting Hmm. like there would be people who who are playing magic the gathering who would just be interested in dnd period or because of crit roll or whatever like that but it's never oh paris came out so i'm trying it so yeah interesting enough yeah i guess i haven't converted any magic players either so right. <laughs> in starting the role of cool because you know you started it under the t4c studios umbrella that i'm part of as well uh i know there were some bumps in the road here and there to get the show going and, and kind of as it's been running so if you were to go back to jr in the past and tell him here's a few things you could do to make this a little bit easier what advice would you have for yourself to make your stream a bit easier to set up and get going and and that kind of thing. Because like everything else, like the the characters, the story and everything, writing for it isn't really a problem. It's the tech that kind of got in the way. Mm. A lot of it is that we have one player who's remote and the rest are going to be in studio. So, <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't want to say to my past self, hey, don't get that guy. Because <laughs> he's a great guy. <laughs> but, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but also, it's, it's mostly like what to do with setting things up. And actually testing things out really early is what I would mm. suggest. Because I, I do a lot of studio stuff, right? And But not really in the before. So it's like, I know how to set up cameras. I know how to set up mics and everything. And you think, oh, I know how to do this. I can do this in a day, right? And you try it and it's like, oh, it's been two weeks and I'm doing this every day, two to four hours a day in my spare time. And I still haven't gotten it right. <laughs> Give a lot more time. Yeah. So. So to setting up, setting up and making things sound great. Cause, uh, yeah. So, uh, if you 
were to give advice to anybody out there who's wanting to try to run games or or who is running them, you know, based on your experiences and and uh, all of the time you've spent um, doing this, what are maybe one of the one or two things that you would suggest or recommend to people as advice for them? So you've probably gotten a lot of advice from a lot of people here. And just to make things a bit different, I'm going to do something that's kind of been in the, on the voice actor side. Because I figured cool. you don't you haven't had a lot of those, right? <laughs> so and, and not it's, yet. Yeah, not yet, right? Get Matt Mercer soon. <laughs> Someday. Knock on wood. It's gonna happen. <laughs> this is something that um from Hank Azaria, if you're familiar with him, The Simpsons, uh voices ah, yes. Mo, um, Cheap Wiggum, etc. For DMs wanting to do voice acting or you know, voices for their NPCs. Um, his advice, and this advice for general for like voice actors and stuff too, right, is bad impressions make for good characters. So don't be afraid to try to do an impression of someone. And if that mm. turns into something totally different, then that's your new voice. He does that with The Simpsons as well. If you um, remember Lou, the, the other cop, so it sounds like this. So that's his bad Stallone impression. Really? Yeah, and his fat Tony, the gangster guy, the Godfather, is his bad um, Godfather impression, and just yeah. turn into different characters. So, so I do that a lot with my games as well, where you just you know pick a character in TV and like just do a really bad impression of them, and that's the <laughs> that's your character voice. So, who's your worst impression that that you do then? I I just do bad impressions of everyone. <laughs> <laughs> The, the funny thing with impressions though is people like 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 when you know like could you like wow when you do Owen Wilson man everyone just loves him <laughs> that's that's pretty good it's, I think it's like how how because when you do Owen Wilson you have to talk like with his enthusiasm and everybody just ends up loving that NPC because like they they're like yeah you know Owen Wilson is the perfect bro or something yeah he is <laughs> Right, well, so. <laughs> that settles it. My next NPC is going to be Owen Wilson. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, JR. Right. And that also makes it easier for, for you to, like when you're doing homebrews. So you like, this is Rotgar, the barbarian or whatever. And like his voice is Owen Wilson. Just write that down. And like when you go back to it, it's like, oh, you know, you know the voice. Smart, smart. Right. Instead of like, oh, did I use this or that? Or, you know, like, yeah, my notes are never very good about the the accents I use for people. Yeah, so, and it can be smart. specific. Like, it could be Jack Black from School of Rock or, you know, like, stuff like that. Like, it's a, mm -hmm. it's a very easy way of noting things down. I like it. Advice we haven't had on the show before, so that's right. even better. <laughs> Let's wrap it up then with where people can find you, they can find your work, and where they can interact with you online. Uh, right. So the role of cool currently, uh, and I don't know the schedule once this airs, because it's going to be a while, obviously. Um, currently yeah, it'll it's, be July. So yeah, so it might be a different schedule. I don't know. But currently it's um, 7.30 p.m. Philippine Singapore time, which is, um, I think it's 12 hours gap EST. Yeah, so 7.30 p.m. Singapore and Manila time is 7.30 a.m. Eastern time. Yes, so you're right. So 7.30 a.m. Eastern time, but it does um, it does rerun 7.30 um, a.m. the next day here. So that's 7.30 p.m. Eastern time on, on a Monday. And the URL is... 
something I don't know. Wait. <laughs> um, uh, so it airs 7.30 p.m. on Mondays, Singapore time mm-hmm. and, and uh, Manila time. So that's 7.30 a.m. Eastern on Mondays. Um, and that's and then rerun 4.30 a.m. Pacific. But then 4.30 yeah. p.m. Pacific. Uh, 7.30 p.m. Eastern when it re-airs. And that, yeah. And that URL is? It's uh, twitch.tv slash the fourth culture. Fourth with the number four TH. And on YouTube, um, the current schedule is after airing them on Twitch, the hour-long episode blocks go on YouTube on a Wednesday and a Friday. We're just spacing it out for, you know, YouTube algorithm stuff. So it's uh, youtube.com slash dragon culture. Awesome. Yeah. I'll make sure to put in all those notes and thanks for joining me, JR. Uh, you know, I've chatted with you a bunch uh, previous to this, but it's good to kind of get to know you from a DM's point of view, uh, as mm. most of the stuff we're talking about, it has nothing to do with this. So <laughs> yeah, good, good to get to know your philosophies, um, running the game. And, uh, I've really enjoyed the role of cool so far. Like I said, my coworker actually quit and left uh, oh. So I have to text him and ask him <laughs> questions now. He's at a different company now, but uh, it's still been a lot of fun to learn about the Philippines and to watch you guys have a ton of fun. I know you put up hours and hours and hours of work um, because I see the hours of work you put into uh, the role of cool. So uh, yeah, I definitely appreciate how much time and effort it goes into creating something like this. And I think you've done a fantastic job so far. Oh, thanks, Eric. Thank you for listening to How Not to DM. Now it's time for a sneak peek into next week's guest, Michael, known as the Dead Aussie Gamer. I think my favorite person to play with at the moment is Quincy from Quincy's Tavern. Like, I love yeah. Quincy so very much. Like, he is, like, next to Robert and Dredd, who are my members of my stream team, I'd say that probably the, my next favorite person to play with is Quincy. Like, if Quincy asked me to do anything, I'd be like, yeah, they're, they're in a heartbeat. He's just got this this wonderful um, synergy with my particular playstyle that I, I, I doesn't matter what we're doing. I know we're in for a good time. To hear more about Michael's unofficial 86-hour Pathfinder Marathon, his day job running games for kids at a youth center, and much more, tune in next week. Remember to check out my Patreon if you haven't already for even more sneak peeks. Next time you get the chance, share this episode with your friends and family around your game table. Another great way to help me boost the show is by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts or rating the show on Spotify. I appreciate all of you for helping the show grow. Thank you to the team at T4C Studios for helping edit and produce this episode. My intro and outro music is by Daniel Zombo. The Quickfire Chaos music is by Exacat, and the Quickfire Chaos mood music is by Arcane Anthems. Check out the episode notes for more of their great work. And, as always, until next time... Roll some Nat 20s for me.